Hey, this is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Living Redefined Podcast. This is a place where we discuss modern day topics and attack them with biblical truths. The goal that we have is just to make daily decisions based on morality and integrity. I want to help you move forward in your faith, and I hope that today helps you do that. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Welcome back to Church Online. My name is Dusty. Thankful that you're taking Part of your day, part of your week to be with me here online. This is for our online crowd. Today we are in week two of The Pursuit of Purpose, and the title is What If I Fall? What If I Fall? And and as we get in today, you're going to realize it's not really what if, it's when, right? And so the, the general idea today is pursuing God's purpose and perspective for your life, but we really want to happen or look at um, the three things that we notice when we get knocked down. And so... Um, the story of Joseph is where we've been. That's Genesis 37. We see how Joseph lived. We see his God-given dream. We see his God-given purpose. The series foundation is not found in Joseph, found in the New Testament. It's Ephesians 2.10, which essentially says God has a purpose for you. He prepared it beforehand, and he wants you to walk in it. And so he wants you to live on purpose, for purpose. We found out that, that nearly 90% of the people who roam the face here don't know what their purpose is. They don't know why they're here. And so It'd be a good idea to uh, find out what that is. That leads to the big idea, which is everybody ends up somewhere. A few people end up somewhere on purpose. And so we want to get there intentionally, which means um, many people can spend their lives working the plan and not fulfilling the purpose, right? And so we want to fulfill the purpose. The big idea from last week is you will never fulfill your purpose if you are full of pride, You'll never fulfill your purpose if you're full of pride because that limits how far you can go. It takes humility in the high times and in the low times of the journey of life as we pursue, as you pursue your purpose that you have here. And so last week we talked about humble beginnings and um, having the humility to start. Joseph really didn't have a humble beginning. Really, pride is what really knocked him down from the get-go. And God knew that. And so he arranged for Joseph to gain some humility and to develop some character and last week we got remember, reminded that pride comes before fall. Pride comes before the fall. And so today, like I said, we're talking about what if I fall, but, but really when I fall, when I fall. And so before we talk about falling, you need to know that regardless of what you think about yourself or where you come from, that you're still good enough to walk in and to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. Nobody's perfect. And so Romans 3.23 says we all fall short. That's everybody. Only one person is not. His name was Jesus. And Proverbs 24, 16 confirms that you're going to fall. So if you say, yeah, Romans 3, 23, you tell me that all the time, Dusty, we all fall short. We, you know, nobody's perfect. That's right. We all have a little bit of dirt, right? Proverbs 24, 6 confirms that you're going to fall and you're going to fall again. And once you think you're not going to fall again, you're going to fall at least once more. But the promise is you're going to get back up. If you're a believer and, and you love God, you're going to get back up if you seek God in your efforts, if you seek God in your effort to stay up, right? And so, uh, so that's really the context for today. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for the opportunity, Lord, to be in this place at this time. Lord, thank you for the people who are joining me online and through podcasts. Lord, for every listener, Lord, I ask that you give us ears to hear and a heart that was open so your seed can be planted, so your word can be planted, that we might walk in it. I love you. Thank you, Lord, that we're better because we're here. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, God gave Joseph a dream when he was 17. He started seeing that dream come to pass when he was 30. That dream was not fulfilled 
until he was 40. And so it took 23 years for Joseph to see the dream that God had given him come to pass, right? And the reason it took him so long was because he had to develop. We all have to develop. Remember, God's goal for each of us is that we become more like his son, that we would have Christ-like character, right? He gave us his son, and he's the example that we are to follow because we couldn't figure it out by ourselves. And so both him and God are in heaven, and they're rooting for you. And so the question I have for you today as we jump in is, is and, and you have to make this personal, what is it in me, what is it in my character that God is trying to help me develop so that I can reach his purpose for me, which is better than my intention? That's one thing we talked about last week too. God's purpose is greater than my intention. So let's pick up in Genesis 37. This is the story of Joseph. Remember, he had a dream that his entire family was going to bow down to him. Now, he didn't have favor with his brothers before this dream, and afterwards, it wasn't, it wasn't much better. As a matter of fact, it got a lot worse. And so he did have great favor with his dad, and as soon as he had that dream, he woke up and he told everybody, and pride got the best of him. And so we see in Genesis 13 through 17, God sends Joseph to go and check on his brothers as they were tending their flocks, and, and he has to journey to do this. It's not like, hey, they're... They're right in the backyard. They are, they are a ways off, okay? Now, remember, Joseph's dad gives Joseph, Joseph's dad, Jacob. He's also called Israel in the Bible. So if you see, depending on what version of the Bible you're reading, it could be Jacob, it could say Israel. That's the same person. Joseph's dad, Jacob, gave him this real flashy coat, almost like a Joe Namath coat, but like with a lot more color, a lot more flair. You could see him coming from miles away. And so in Genesis 37, 18, by the way, you should read Genesis 37 over the next at least two more weeks of this because we're going to be pulling some points out of this story. It would be good to be familiar with it. Verse 18, they saw him in the distance because he had that crazy coat on. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Verse 19, here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns or wells or pits, right? It's a place to, to hold water. And say that a ferocious animal devoured him, and then we'll see what dreams of his come true, right? Now, Joseph is about to fall, right? He doesn't know it. He's just kind of doing what his dad told him. And, and as, as he's stepping into this moment, I can't help but call attention to all the people who have ever helped me fall. All the people who've ever been just a little bit eager to give me that nudge I needed to make it down to where... Uh, I had to eat some humble pie, right? And, and if it wasn't those people who were waiting to help me, I think we all have people like that. If it wasn't those people who were wanting to help me fall, they were just waiting. There are so many people who are just waiting to see you fall. They just, because their life is X or, or they see this, or there's so many different perspectives that people see of us as individuals. They are just waiting, waiting to see you fall, Right? And so worse than that, if they don't push you or they're not waiting, they're wanting. They want to see you fall. And Joseph's brothers were in every category. And the truth is in life, some of the falls that we have in life don't come from ourselves. They come from being pushed from somebody else, right? And so they come from a little bit of help. And so thankfully, Joseph had a brother named Reuben. Reuben was the oldest and Reuben heard the plan, and so he tried to rescue Joseph. This is verse 21. Reuben heard the plan, so he tried to rescue Joseph from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. 
Don't shed any blood. Come on, guys. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him, Reuben said. And Reuben said this to rescue him from them and to take him back to his father. Reuben had a plan to get him back to his dad, right? And so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped, him, they stripped his coat off him, and they took him and they threw him in the empty cistern, water well, pit, right? And so Joseph's in the bottom of the cistern, and he's been knocked down. He's been pushed in. He's fell, right? And either way, either way you want to look at it, he's fallen to a place where he's in the position that he was not uh, about five seconds ago, right? His coat is gone, and the, the only people who can help him want him dead. And so they really want to make sure that dream that he had, that purpose, what he is supposed to fulfill on the face of the earth doesn't happen. They have no clue that they need the dream that he had. They have no clue they need that to happen. They have no clue they need it because they're full of just as much pride, right? And so his brother want to keep want his brothers want to keep him from his purpose and and that should be that should be confirmation for you like if you have any haters out there via social media, via email, I get about two messages per week from people who just strongly dislike this, okay? <laughs> and so it's confirmation that you're doing the right thing, right? And so you and Joseph have something in common if you have people out there who are against you, right? And so if you're in this place this morning, if you've been knocked down or you feel that you've been, um, that, that you've been um, or that you're in a place, right? It's not necessarily that you've been knocked down, but you feel that you've, you've hit rock bottom today. There are three things that you need to notice when you get knocked down. The first one is your position. Your position changes a lot when you get knocked down, right? And, and what you want to notice about the position is you want to ask the question, what brought me here? What brought me to this place, right? Was it something I did? Was it something I said? Is, the people, is it the people who surround me? Is it, my, is it my habits? It's wise to take a second when you get to the place of the lowest of the low where you ask yourself, man, how did I get here? How to get in? I think that that I, I've experienced, anyways. Man, I fall to the I fall to the ground. Man, I don't like that. And so I'm a doer, and I'm a fixer, and I want to make sure this doesn't happen again, right? So how did I get here? Did I attribute something to this? Did I bring somebody in? Did I get here all by myself? Did somebody help me get to this point, right? And it's always good to do a little soul searching when you hit rock bottom when you get knocked down. And for me personally, that's Psalms 139 to search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my concern, lead me in the everlasting way. Right. And, and asking that, asking God to search your heart and know your concerns isn't comfortable, but it's necessary to stay on the path for the purpose he has for you. And so Joseph in this situation could have easily just moved right past this, kept his pride, right. And said, it ain't, my, it ain't my fault I'm in here. I mean, I, this ain't my fault. This is my brothers, right? It's not pride in me. It's envy in them, right? And the reality is, is that what most of us do in a difficult time is we blame somebody else. That's the easiest thing to do is like, ah, I don't want to figure out how I got here. I just want to get out. And so your fault that, I, that this happened, right? And so we live in a society that loves to blame people, right? 
loves that drama. And so the, the truth about the position that you're in when you hit rock bottom is it's never about the action that causes you to fall. It's never the action that causes you to fall. It's the reaction to the action. My college football coach used to say, it's never about the issue. It's how you handle the issue. It's never the issue. It's how you handle the issue. The problem really never makes you grow. It's how you handle the problem that makes you grow. And how you handle the problem is really what allows you to get back up, right? How you handle the problem allows you to get back up. So it's never the problem. It's how you handle the problem, right? For example, if, 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 if you're out of money, you're not out of money because the economy is bad. You're out of money because you mismanaged your money. This isn't the first time that we've experienced high gas prices or low gas prices, high taxes, high interest rates, you know, lunch meat that costs $17 a pound, stores that don't give you bags, right? Like, well, what if I didn't have to pay 10 cents for a bag? Like here in Colorado, you don't have grocery bags anymore to pay for them, by the way. And so the reality is if you're out of money, you're likely overspending and, and even, and, or you might be under giving, right? You might be trying to hoard, which is understandable, but not honoring those around you, God, etc. So the reality is if you're out of money, it's not the economy. It's, it's, it's your spending habits are, are a little bit off, right? And so it's good to search yourself. When you get knocked down, you got to identify the position you're in. Don't blame others. You need to look inward first. Look inward first before you look out, outward. Identify your position. Identify what took you there. You know what's weird is, have you ever wondered... I've read this story, guys, I can't tell you countless times. And I never once wondered why, why Joseph wasn't with his brothers in the first place. Like, if all the brothers are out tending sheep, why is Joseph not there from start to finish? Why is he off by himself? He's got ten brothers. So the reality is he wasn't there for a reason. And, jo- and, and these guys are all older, 20s, 30s, Reuben's the oldest, okay? Jacob, Joseph's dad, did not need Joseph to go and check on his brothers. They knew what they were doing. They've been doing this a long time, and they've been doing it a long time without Joseph. He sent Joseph hoping that there would be some reconciliation, that there would be some relationship, that they would, that they would hit it off and, and, and be brothers, right? And so just keep that in your perspective as we, as we go through these, like, it's, in the story, you don't really ever think about that, but that's true, right? Like, well, why wasn't he with them in the first place? And, and the reality is that he never was. He never was. And so the second thing you need to notice when you get knocked down is the perspective. How's your perspective when you get knocked down? Which is essentially, how do you feel, right? Now, the position, how did I get here? The perspective, how do I feel? How do I feel? The second thing you need to notice when you fall, when you hit rock bottom, is how, is, is, is how you see, but that seeing is going to come from a place of emotion, right? Remember, we already understand our position, and it's not a time to blame. It's good to, mem- it's good to remember, by the way, what happens when you do hit rock bottom. How do you feel? What are your thoughts in that moment? I can tell you what my thoughts are in those moments, right? What stands out to you beside regret? Identify these, identify these things. Now, 
the one thing, the biggest thing really that you need to understand or notice when you hit rock bottom and the perspective you have is it's really, you know, in our position, we don't want to take any of the blame. We like to, we like to cast that away, but in our perspective, we take all the blame because nobody can hear, nobody can hear your perspective, right? And so when you're down, it could be, um, I think this, this stands out to me, but if you go one layer deeper, what happens more times than not is condemnation. And we start condemning ourselves. I can't believe I did this. I was so stupid to do that. I can't believe why did, and we start asking all these really hard questions and we, we consume all of the blame. And there's one person who roams this earth. It's like, he's like a lion and he only seeks to devour people in that position. He loves to lie to you. He loves to take advantage of you. <clears throat> Excuse me. He loves to accuse you. He loves to condemn you. And man, he loves to kick you while you are down. And he's only looking for people that he can do that to. John 8, said, there is no truth. It says, there's no truth in the devil. When he lies, he speaks of his native language. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. He is the father of all lies. So when you get down, the biggest thing you can see in your perspective is, is this me or is this that voice inside, that voice from the outside that, that is just collapsing on me? It's easy to feel, by the way, it's easy to feel condemnation when you're at your lowest point. It's easy to feel that. And it's easy to receive that or interpret the condemnation that you place on yourself and make it feel as it's a conviction, right? And if, if anybody's ever lied about you, you know exactly how it feels. Have you ever lied to yourself about you? Yeah, the human race does it quite a lot, right? Remember how it made you feel when somebody lied about you. Remember that feeling. That's not from God. And remember the lies that you tell yourself about you. Those aren't from God. Those aren't from God either. God does not condemn. God does not condemn, and God does not contradict himself. God does not contradict himself, therefore, he does not condemn. And your perspective should not be condemnation, should not be, that's not it. There's a big difference between condemnation and conviction, by the way. We can, we can sometimes interpret condemnation as conviction, but it's not. Conviction is specific. You could, you could throw a dart and it's going to be that pinpoint specific. Condemnation is general. It's very general. Here's an example. Conviction is uh, you did this, so that's why that happened, which is why you're in this position. One, two, three. Right? That's conviction. Well, if I wouldn't have did that, that would have happened. I wouldn't be here. That's conviction, right? Condemnation is I'm a bad person. I'm worse than everybody else. I'm never going to do anything worthwhile. I'm never going to accomplish anything. I'm going to spend the rest of my life fighting this. I'm never going to get beyond this. That's condemnation. Conviction comes from your spirit. It comes from your heart. It's to help you stay on the path. Condemnation comes from your mind or it comes from others. It's the things that we talk ourselves into. And God never, 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 I could say that forever. Never condemns you. 
He will convict you, which is really accountability, which is really accountability. And for most who don't want accountability, we'll take the condemnation, right? But the conviction is accountability. It helps you. Conviction is really the reason that most people don't want to come to church or don't want to sit through church. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Actually, it's really good unless you ignore it. And when you ignore it, that's when it turns a little bit deeper, right? John, uh, John 3, 17 and 18. This is a monumental scripture. It's the most overlooked scripture, by the way. I would love for you to memorize John 3, 17 more than I would John 3, 16. The whole world knows John 3, 16. It's behind every basketball goal and at every sports event, and it's great. And it is it. Is it. But John 3, 17 is monumental, the most overlooked, super important. Here's what it says. If you know John 3, 16, if you don't, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whosoever, you're in that, believes in him that would never die but have eternal life. Okay? John 3.17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to judge it or to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him, my son, as personal Savior and Lord, is not judged. For believers... Those who believe in God, those who trust in Jesus, those who follow God. For believers, there's no judgment, no rejection, and no condemnation from the Father. God did not send Jesus to condemn. We were already condemned. We were born condemned. Romans 3.23, right? Jesus came to save and to restore this is why his resurrection resurrects us. This is why when he beat death, we beat death, right? And so he saved us from our condemnation. That means if you believe that you do not walk in condemnation anymore and you don't need to receive it from anybody else either because you know who saved your life. It's already been taken care of. So condemnation is never from God. It's always from the enemy we call that the devil, Satan, and he wants you to fail, and he wants you to fail, and he wants you to feel condemned, and he wants you to lay in the fetal position on the floor, rock bottom, feeling like you're the only one. And the truth is, you're not. And the truth is, it's going to happen again. Will you get back up? Will you put your faith in something greater than you? Because when my faith is in me, that's not good. Because I know I'm flawed. I'm flawed, right? And so please understand when you have fell, when you've been knocked down, or if you are knocked down, or if you are rock bottom, or if you are at your lowest, when you sense accusation or condemnation, that's not from God. God is a good God. Those things come from the Father of all lies. So when you check your perspective, you really only need to remember God's perspective of you. God's perspective of you. You're chosen. You're a child of God. You have great purpose. And even this, even this moment of being knocked on the floor, put in a pit, will not keep you, will not keep you from all that God has for you, if you trust and believe. So let's look at one of the biggest lies in Joseph's story, because lies seem to rule the world these days, by the way. They've already pulled Joseph out of the well at this point. Okay, They pulled him out of the well and they've sold him. And so I fast forward a little bit. We're in verse 31, Genesis 37, 31. And here's what it says. Then they slaughtered a goat 
and they dipped Joseph's coat in the blood, and they took that coat back to their father, was drenched in blood, and, it, and they say, we found this. Examine it to see whether it's your son's coat. What do you mean your son's? It's our brother too, right? But that's the first thing that, like, you ever notice, like, when, when you're upset with your kids, you would say, hey, tell your kids. Well, they're, they're my kids too, right? Examine to see whether this is your son's robe, this, your son's coat. And Jacob recognized it and said, it is my son's coat. Now, pay attention. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph surely has been torn to pieces. Now, had a wild beast really devoured Joseph? No. Where did that lie come from? Where did that lie come from? The father of all lies. How did that seed get planted so quickly from the visual, from the perspective, right? What I see to now what I've talked myself into to what I've said. Where did that lie come from? How do lies even begin? Two reasons lies start in us individually. Fear, offense. That's how the devil deals. The devil can get you afraid or offended. It's on, right? We're most susceptible to the devil's lies when we are afraid or we are offended. So Satan is such a good liar. Here you've seen this story, but it happens every day that he can fabricate evidence to back up his lies, right? This was fabricated evidence. Joseph had not been slaughtered. He'd not been torn to shreds. He'd not been nothing. Joseph was actually fine. He was sold and he was going to eat dinner tonight, right? And so the brothers used the blood to fabricate the lie. They never said the lie. They just showed the coat. Now, a lot of people get mixed up because early in the story, Joseph's brothers conspired to kill him. They didn't tell his dad that. So his dad didn't know any of that information, right? And so they never told their dad, hey, we really would like this guy dead. They didn't say that. Reuben pulls him up. They take his coat. They sell him. They saved his life. They do this. And, and the reality in all of this, in this big lie, Jacob came to that conclusion all by himself. Nobody had to talk him into it. Nobody had to talk him into it. So it says in verse 34, Jacob tore his clothes, which is what you do when you lose, when you lose a son, somebody, put on sackcloth and he mourned for his son. Verse 35, all his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. This is the tough part. This is the tough part. Jacob's brothers let their father mourn for 22 years. Jacob, his dad, didn't find out Joseph was alive until Joseph was 39. So for 22 years, his brothers witnessed their dad in agony, and they never told the truth. They lived the lie that he believed for 22 years. They lived the lie for so long that it became real, right? And when you can do that, that is, that's the hardness of sin. That's the hardness of evil. When you can actually sit over here and watch your dad sob his face off for losing his son for years and not say, hey, dad, 
he's fine. We, we, hey, I'm sorry. We just sold him. Just take some ownership, right? And so just like the devil lied to Jacob and told him that his son had been torn to pieces, the devil's going to lie to you too. You're not going to make it. Look at the report that you just got. Your business is going to fail. Have you seen the numbers, right? Your marriage is going to fail. Look how different you are. Look how different you are. When in reality, if we're talking marriage, the whole reason that you married that person was because they weren't you. They weren't you. God, God doesn't give signs for a divorce, by the way. Oh, well, you know that. God doesn't make you look for reasons to get out of a relationship that you took an oath to him to keep, right? So don't believe a lie because, because that's Satan's perspective. Live in truth, believe in it, and keep moving forward. And so the third thing that you need to notice when you get knocked down is the purpose. There is a purpose in the fall. There is a purpose in the fall. It is for development. It is for character. It is so that you would see that, that your way, that my way, it doesn't work, right? And so the purpose is this. What do you think? What do you think? Not about yourself, not about others, not what you see. What do you think? And this is the deal. When most people fall, their thought becomes, God's mad at me. God must be mad at me. God hates me. God doesn't want me to succeed. God is punishing me. And God is not a mob boss. He's not sending Sylvester Stallone from Tulsa to make sure that you live right. Okay? Tulsa King reference. You're welcome. Okay? What's the purpose of the fall? God's a loving God. God does not contradict himself. God said he wants you to have life and life abundantly. He wants you to have it to the fullest. He wants you to experience more here than you can ever imagine. He wants you to have more than you could want for yourself. And so God doesn't punish you. Again, God does not contradict himself. He's a good God. And so what's the purpose of the fall? Being down, ugh, feeling that without hope is most of the time where we find ourselves when we're in the bottom, right? And, and when you're without hope, there's only one person you can call on for hope. There's only one person you can put your hope in when you've been knocked down. It can't be you because you find yourself in this place this lowly place where you can't get yourself out, right? And the purpose of every fall is to get us to see that our way doesn't work, that putting our faith in man is not going to get it done, and that means ourselves too. Only God can get me out of here, right? And in reality, what else are you going to do? When you're knocked down, what else are you going to do? Who else are you going to, to, to talk to from this position Who's going to get you, right? Who's going to, who's going to come down and sit and hang out with you in the, in the bottom of a well, right? Who's going to come and sit with you in the valley when you're in the valley? Nothing. Nobody. Who's going to be with you in the darkness? Who else is there with you? There's only one person who said, I will never, ever leave you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I don't know about you, but when I find myself knocked down, down and out, rock bottom, feeling low, I always feel alone. And that's how the devil wants you to feel when you are down like that, alone. I'm the only person in the whole world that's going through this. And what's amazing about this moment 
and, and I've had a lot of these moments, is our dependency of God depends on the depth of the fall, right? If I just fall to the ground, I might not need so much. If I just fell to the bottom of a well, I might need a lot, right? If I'm in a, in a, in a W-H-A-L-E, in a whale's belly, I might need just a little bit more, right? And what, what's amazing is we only tend to seek him. This is our pride in us. We only tend to seek as much of God as we need to get out. Not a plus one or a little bit more, but just what we need to get out. And when it's not that much, when we don't need that much from God and we get out once everything is all right, we give the, oh, never mind, never mind, Lord. Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Check back in next crisis, okay? See ya, right? But when we get in deep, we say, okay, God, I'm really serious this time. I'm really serious this time. I need you more now than ever. I need you more right now. And the reality is we realize, we fail to realize rather, that we can't do anything on our own. That every breath that we take has been prepared. It's been assisted by God. He is, he's there and he just wants to walk with us, right? So it makes me think that the first, th- the first few hours that Joseph was in the well, he was just kind of rehearsing to himself how bad his brothers were and how good he was. I can't believe they would do something like this. I mean, leaving this well, right? And I feel like that, you know, first few hours, probably like that. They are this, they were that, they did this to me, but I had a dream, right? And God said, and God, I know you're going to get them for this, so I'm just going to, and I'm just in the bottom of a well, right? Then after a while, it got pretty quiet. Sun started going down, probably started getting dark. Then he started to think, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not going to get out of here. And so then he started to think on his own just a little bit, and he took some, he starts taking some responsibility. You know, Lord, I probably didn't help the situation much. I, I probably didn't have to be a tattletale. You know, I probably didn't have to always tell my brothers. I, I, I didn't have to share my dream. Maybe, maybe a little bit of this I brought on myself, you know. So if you could help me out here, that'd be great. That'd be great. And then a few more hours go by, and I think he begins to believe that I'm never going to get out of here. I'm never going to get out of here. And, and so it changed a little bit more. Oh, God, God, you got it. Please. Please, God, you've got to get me out. I did it. This is all my fault, right? This is all my fault. I'm the one that's wrong. It's me. He takes full ownership, and he realizes he is desperate, that it's him and God and nobody else, right? And I can't help but believe that something happened to Joseph in that moment, just like it does with us, that changes our life forever, right? And I believe that it's that it was that moment where, where Joseph became 100% humbled, right? That his brother Judah got the idea to pull him out and to sell him to the Midianite traders. I believe it was that moment right there when, when Joseph finally said it, this is all my fault. I believe God went to Judah and said, hey, here's the plan right? 
here's how this has to happen because he's not willing to, to be humble enough to walk. He's, I have the path, here's the path he's going to go. You're gonna put him on it, right? And so I believe at that moment when Joseph takes full ownership, becomes completely humble, that's where God taps you and says, hey, and they sell him. The purpose of every fall, of every hole, of every bottom, of every pit, of every low, of every well, of every everything, is to bring us back to the Father, that we would get to that place where it's complete surrender and complete trust. Lord, I am nothing without you. And this is how we stay on the path that he has set for us. It is to remain with him. And this is what we hear in the John in, in the New Testament, John 15. Remain in me is what God says. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch, no part of me can bear fruit by itself. It must remain connected to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's production, that's purpose, right? Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so please check your uh, perspective and your position. So I'll close with this. If we're going to pursue the purpose that God has for us, we must stay connected to the Father. Remember your position, remember your perspective, and remember your purpose in those lows and in the highs, right? Also in the highs, we're gonna talk about the highs next week. The one thing that you need to know before we wrap this up is no matter how far you fell or how many times that you fell or how deep that you are, God's never gonna leave you there. God's never gonna leave you there. In Psalm 1610, it's a promise, David says this, you will not abandon me, nor will you let me die alone. God will never leave you. So today, if you're at a low point, if you'll put your faith and your trust and your hope in God, if you will seek God, he will rescue you and he will restore your relationship because he's good, because he's faithful, and because he wants that relationship with you. And so I pray that you would take that step today. Father, thanks so much for the opportunity, Lord, to share a little bit more of the story of Joseph, Lord, and how we can overcome the fall, Lord. Help us, Lord, in our position and in our perspective, Lord, to see you. Help us to be about your business and your will for our lives, Lord. Help us to know you more and more every day. Help us to walk in your purpose. Let 2023 be that for each of the people who can hear my voice because of you. Thank you for fruit today, Lord. Thank you for life change and for better. We love you and we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, thanks for joining me online today. It means more than you know. Uh, I would love for you to like, subscribe, share, rate, comment, all those things. You can always check us out on the web. Here are your action steps for today. <clears throat> Remember, understand how you get in the pit. Understand how you get rock bottom. Understand how you hit rock bottom and take ownership. Take your part. Don't lay blame. Don't cast blame. Take ownership. Look inward first. Number two, have God's perspective. Have God's perspective of the low, of the low place, of the pit. Don't listen to the lies. Remember, conviction specific. Condemnation is general. Conviction comes from your spirit. Condemnation comes from others. It comes from your self-talk. And so don't condemn yourself. Don't listen to those lies. Number three, God has a purpose for you. 
in that place, in that place. And so call out, rely on, and trust in God in those moments, and He will see you through. If you partner with me financially, I thank you so much. The fruit that we are able to see because we actually share the gospel is amazing. And so if you are uh, on our team and you're partnering with us, I'm super grateful for you. Next week, The Other Side is the name, and we are going to be talking about how walking with God brings prosperity in our purpose, how walking with God brings prosperity in our purpose. So don't miss that. I pray now, I pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of Him. I pray the perception of your mind would be enlightened so that you would know what His hope, His calling, and His purpose are for you and the great things that He has in store for you. Go have a great week. I'll see you. Thank you so much for joining me today. A huge thanks to those of you who support our ministry. You make what we get to do in Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado possible with those weekly outreaches to our hospital heroes and public service men and women. It's a big deal to get to do that and to support the people who are caring for our communities. So go ahead and click the link in the description to become a partner, or you can visit livefreedefined.com and click the giving link. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.